Welcome to the Monday Night Raw review on the WWE podcast. We're going to dive into all of the details of Monday Night Raw in just a minute, including yet another main event with Becky Lynch versus Asuka. I feel like we've seen that once or twice over the last month. Vince McMahon makes yet another bizarre appearance on WWE television. We get a fatal five-way for the women's championship match to take place at Money in the Bank now that Rhea Ripley is out. We're going to talk about all this and so much more right after this. You got to check out the Mentality Show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the Mentality Show. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Hey everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast for this Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Hope everyone's doing well, and we're gonna dive into Monday Night Raw. That was a very up and down show. I've got a list of things I could rant about, and I don't know how much ammunition I want to give those of you that just say I complain and I'm so negative, but this this may lean on the, the more ranty side, so if you like negativity, you're drawn to the darkness, well, you may love this show, um, but that's not to say that Raw was a bad show as a whole, but when the bad was bad, it was really bad, and uh, so... All right, well, we're going to dive into details in just a second, but first I want to welcome you to the show. We've got a lot of stuff coming up here on the WWE podcast in terms of changes to video. Video is coming, and I mentioned uh, about a week ago that um, we're going to be diving into video on a streaming service. Don't get excited. It's not Netflix. We're not that big, okay? But uh, we will be hopefully getting a deal closed with a streaming service to go once a week for an hour show here on the WWE podcast. It's actually going to have a new name. We won't be the WWE podcast, but more details to come there. Hopefully things don't fall through and I embarrass myself, but Hey, might as well tell you, makes me excited to talk about it. Uh, and anyway, so if you want to go ad free in the meantime, great time to do it because we have hundreds and hundreds of ad free shows on patreoncom slash WWE podcast. And I would like to welcome our newest Patreon member, Owen Turk. Owen, welcome to the party, my uh, my friend, and we have a great spot for you available for a co-hosting position as you have chosen the SmackDown tier, so you get to come on once a month if you so choose. Just let me know. Just message me in Patreon, and we'll set up a date and time where you can come on and co-host with me, and that's one of the perks of going on the SmackDown tier. It's a little bit more money, but I think the value is there, and so anyway, for a dollar, though, it gets you in the door as well as on Apple Podcasts, 99 cents a month, and our website, wwepodcast.com. You go VIP, video, and all shows ad-free if you want to go on our website. So, um, hey, Vince McMahon appeared. That happened. He comes out and says a little bit more this time, but nothing new. He's never got anything new to tell you. He's just grandpa coming out there and telling us stuff we already know. And this time he tells us that uh, John Cena is... After fumbling over a few words, 
that he's the greatest superstar of all time. Of course, a very subjective thing. And 20 out of the 30 years he's been in WWE. Well, I'd put it more like 15 out of the, the, the 30, right? Because over the last five years, he's essentially been more Hollywood than WWE. But sure, we'll round up to 20. It sounds cool. Um, and so he just essentially told us that John Cena is going to be returning next week. That would tell me that he's leading into a program with somebody. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Theory. Theory's tied up with Bobby Lashley, so I think that's out, at least for now. I don't know who could possibly step up to him, or it could really just be a cameo and he's gone. Um, but it's so close to SummerSlam that I have my doubts, and it likely will lead to a SummerSlam match with someone. You know, I don't I don't imagine Cena getting involved in a three-way for the U.S. title. Very unlikely. Even though Theory mentioned Cena tonight or last night, I still don't think that's possible, given the story that's happening right now. So, um, yeah, well, that was all Vince had to say. That's it. Came to the ring, tripped up or down the stairs. I mean, you ever watch Vince's coordination? He's never been the most coordinated guy, but certainly age is making that more obvious that he cannot put one foot in front of the other. He's got like the Joe Biden guidance to walking, you know, like I, I just I just um, I don't know what it is. I mean, it probably is age as well as the fact he was never a great coordinated guy to begin with. And if every time he gets in and out of the ring or walks up the steps, anybody else like kind of like on the edge of the seat, like, oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh, like you <laughs> wait for him to just fall down. Um, he has uh, got some some muscular deterioration or I don't know what it is. But anyway, um, so Vince comes out and again, just tells us John Cena is going to be here. Like we already knew that three weeks ago, Vince, but thanks for coming. Um, and it's again, to me, I'm sick of this. I'm over it. To me, it is time for Vince to just shut up, go backstage, deal with the investigation, and just you know, kind of go private, go dark. But that's not the Vince McMahon way. I mean, we, we probably should have known better. Some people speculated this was Vince's goodbye to Raw, and that's why he came out on SmackDown. I don't think that's the case. Does anybody really know the Vince McMahon that we know, right? Like, even though we don't know him on a private level, we know enough about him to know Vince is defiant. He has a massive ego and he likes to go against the grain. He does things his way, right? So it's made him largely successful to some degree. And Vince comes out again and the crowd continues to cheer for him, which is also odd. And people are continuing to bow to him, which is also odd. You'd imagine that Vince would get a mixed reaction or I don't know, but Vince is just getting a cent. Like it's like 90% cheers, if not higher. And you hear some boos, but they get drawn out quick. Um, and people are like, they, they show people in the crowd bowing to him. Like they do the Vince bow or whenever somebody is massively respected for whoever they were doing a retirement or whatever, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, seems kind of strange. I mean, I wouldn't be bowing to a guy. First of all, I wouldn't bow to any guy, but I wouldn't bow to, especially to a guy that's under investigation for, uh, you know, what he's under investigation for. It does not a good look, but I'm just, I'm over this. I'm over this already. And it's only been twice that Vince has done this where he's come out, said nothing, fumbled over his words, fumbled over his steps and gone bent to the back. It's like, grandpa, can you, can you sit down? Like, you know, uh, just take, take your Mucinex, have your Werther's original and, uh, you know, go, uh, go do a crossword. You know, like, I feel like that's where he should be at this point. Um, it's look, it's nothing wrong with getting old, but he's just not mentally fit to run WWE anymore. I mean, I just, I don't think anyway, and again, this is me speaking from a 
huge distance as all fans do, as we all think we know the inner workings and all that. But from what I see, it's not good. And I'm tired of Vince McMahon coming out. I'm tired of him already. even though it's only been twice of, uh, saying absolutely nothing almost in a self-fulfilling type of way. I mean, this is all self-fulfillment or in conjunction with making sure that the stockholders and shareholders see some stability that Vince is still running the company all is well. Vince is still here. No need to worry. So he puts himself on camera to create the perception that things are all right and he feels confident and it's very self-fulfilling and he's got nothing to say, but I'm going to come out anyway. It's a, it's super annoying and he's lost his effing mind. Um, I'm done with it. I'm done with this. Uh, I want to, I want to see what happens if, if a crowd can kind of band together at one of these events, if Vince kind of makes us a regular thing now to come out and say nothing where they just boo him. You know, I, I, I would love to see that because I want to see what they do, especially if he's found guilty, which I don't even know if he'd be with the company at that point. Um, and uh, when I say found guilty, he's not, you know, he's not on trial for anything yet, <clears throat> but, uh, he certainly is under investigation. And if, if it does turn up that the investigation has concluded that he indeed paid off these women and he's found to be, I guess, guilty is the best word. Um, then he may indeed step aside. Anthony DeMarco and I covered that last night in the current state of WWE at length. So I'd really recommend you go check that show out. Anyway, moving on from Vince McMahon, because a whole hell of a lot more happened on Raw. And we got at the beginning of the show, guys, I, I'm trying. I'm, there are some positive things about this show, I have to say, and we'll get to that. But right now, uh, and I'm going to turn to Bianca Belair, open the show to a very lukewarm reaction. And when you come out on Raw and you're the first person out, you have the advantage of having the freshest crowd uh, and typically a crowd that is at its peak energy because it's 8 p.m., not not 11 p.m. after the show has run its course and people are tired and want to go home. So with the crowd reaction the way it was for Bianca, which was not great, it was okay. Uh, that that's all you need to about where Bianca's at right now. And she's coming off much more obnoxious, by the way, too. She, well, of course has to welcome us to Monday night raw. Like is everybody playing the, like host of raw? Is that what this is? I mention this every time, but how does it not annoy you guys? It, it's one phrase. It's one sentence. I understand that. And the crowd cheers it. But why does everyone need to say it? The second they come out, that's the first thing out of their mouth. It is just one of those things, and it's a perfect micro-representation of the actual antithesis, the opposite of what WWE tells us about the product we're watching, which is anything could happen, when indeed, every single time someone comes out at the beginning of the show and cuts a promo, you know the first thing they're going to say is, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Why? Why? Are they the spokesperson, spokesman, spokeswoman for WWE? Are they contractually obligated to say it? It annoys me to no end. I know I'm making a mountain out of a molehill for some of you, but it's just, it's a perfect representation of like a, a, a much larger issue in WWE, but let's move on. So, you know, she comes out and she talks about, she's the great S and get, I, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. All this, all this stuff. And I'm really starting to turn on Bianca's character and not in a way that makes me want to see her go away, by the way. I mean, in a way that makes me want to see her turn heel. You know, she doesn't have the go away heat. I think it's just time that she has a bit of a character change. I just think it's time now. Of course, you have Becky as the top heel and that spot's already filled. But if they ever wanted to 
have a second one or do a double switch, they could. I think Becky could go right back to being a babyface. And maybe that's where they're headed. I'll, I'll dive into that later, too. But at the beginning of the show, Rhea Ripley, as uh, we got had announced by Bianca, that Rhea was not medically cleared to compete at the Money in the Bank event. So we don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know the details of why she's not medically cleared. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it didn't seem too serious, and that she said she'd be ready whenever she returns. So we'll eventually get that match, which tells you that Bianca's not losing the belt at Money in the Bank by proxy, right? So anyway, um, she announced that, and then of course, just like. You know, the, the good little soldiers in single file line all standing one behind the other in gorilla. Can't you imagine it? Can't you imagine all five of these women sitting or standing in the gorilla position backstage? They're in single file. They're waiting their turn to come out because that's just the way that anytime there's a multi-person match, that's how it's set up or at least promoted is that everybody one after the other comes out and interrupts each other. I, I understand why. And there are many, some situations where that works, but it also uh, gets exhausting. And anyway, look, the second you know that you get a second or uh, the second person come out that's in the match, you're like, oh, here come the other three, right? Like, you know it for sure. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that's what happened here. And luckily, we didn't have to go through the introductions again. They just had their match right here and there, uh, right there and now. But here, here's where things again go downhill for me. Now. Bianca Belair for me at the beginning, she was playing host. She wasn't playing wrestler. She was playing host, welcoming us to Monday Night Raw, announcing the news about Rhea Ripley, which should not have come from her. It should have come from, you know, WWE officials or uh, the announcers or even their social media feed. But also when all five of those women came out that were going to compete in that fatal five way to replace Rhea Ripley for the women's championship match of Money in the Bank, they or Bianca suddenly made the decision that. They're gonna have they're gonna have that match right here and now. Well, what if those five women didn't come out? Would you have still told them to all come out and have the match? I mean, I thought Adam Pierce was the only one that could make things official. Why is she directing when the matches happen? You see what I don't know. I, I these things, sorry guys, I'm I'm just in one of those the Raw triggered a lot of the things for me about wrestling in today's product with WWE's production of how they present wrestling. That it just it was a massive trigger for me for some of the things, especially at the beginning of the show. So it set the tone. Uh, so I apologize if I'm negative tonight, guys. Um, it just it, it is what it is. I I don't know what to say. So and again, maybe you love this and that's awesome. But um, the beginning of the match too, I have to say, once we got into it and we had Bianca once again take her throne at ringside, not on commentary again for like the fourth time. For some reason, they don't trust her on the mic, and she's good on the mic. I have no idea why they're not putting Bianca Belair on commentary. She adds to it. I don't. I think she's good, so I don't understand it. She just sits ringside and makes faces, and I, it, it just is bizarre. Um, but beyond that, the beginning of the match with Alexa and Liv rolling around the ring like children, I, the, I, there's, there's a time and place for something like that. That was not the time and the place to do it. And it didn't get the reaction that they wanted from it, where the crowd starts cheering or they start clapping or they start laughing. They got none of that. They got silence. And I felt they were on the edge of people booing. They were this close because they rolled around way too long. There is no reason for something like that unless you're a kind of a comedic character that does these things to annoy your opponent. But when it's done 
in a match that's supposed to have a serious tone and we're supposed to believe that what you're doing rolling around is is actually what you uh, what you're intending to do to try to defeat your opponent it, it really took away uh, from me it, it was almost like it was like after the match people go home and they just kind of screw it around in the ring that's what it felt like to me i did not like that spot now i remember like um famously eugene you guys remember nick dinsmore 2004 ish when he was imitating all the wrestlers and he would do moves like that. And it was hilarious. Like he'd laugh at it and he did it to, I think triple H a couple of times. And uh, yeah, but there's times and places for it. This wasn't it. And they went on way too long with it. They went on. Like, I felt like it was like 30 seconds, which is an eternity. So that was a bad start for me. But uh, after that things picked up and the match got better and that was good. I really enjoyed after that match uh, began to get going and we got a winner it's carmella and the crowd was booing carmella so they got the reaction they wanted but i think the reason behind the crowd booing wasn't in a complimentary way of saying hey carmella you're such a great heel we hate you we can't wait to see you get beat i think the crowd was booing because they were booing the decision to put carmella there as a massive step down from Rhea Ripley, when you have a plethora of other talent in that match, they could have had, uh, I think, a better opportunity for. Now, look, Carmella, I'm, I'm not a fan of her gimmick. I think she's obnoxious in not a way that makes me want to see her get beat, in a way that makes me kind of change and cringe and change the channel. Um, I'm not a Carmella fan from an in-ring perspective. I, you know, she's not completely insufferable but i i just to me if carmella was released tomorrow i wouldn't blink an eye honestly i mean would anybody no i wouldn't i i really wouldn't now she had a decent run with the smackdown women's championship a number of years ago that people i think overlook but since that time she's essentially been relegated irrelevant so um anyway carmella I understand why they put her in there because she's one of the few heels that could challenge a babyface champion like Bianca Belair because they don't want to jeopardize people cheering for somebody other than Bianca at this point, which I think is a big mistake because I think Bianca would be an excellent heel and it's I think the tide is starting to turn, turn organically and people are like, okay, we've had time to like you and realize, wait, this is kind of an obnoxious gimmick, right? And I've mentioned that many times here. I've said she's a eyelash away from being a heel, given everything she says about EST, I'm the best, strongest, fastest, I'm just the superior human being. And we've all just gone, yay, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. And then I think people are realizing, wait, wait a minute, you're you're what? You're telling us you're, you're superior to everyone and everything on every level, on every metric? Huh, interesting. And I think people are starting to kind of turn on that message a little bit, if you listen to the reaction. Um, and plus the fact she just, doesn't say much anymore anyway so all right but Carmela wins I would have loved to have actually seen Alexa Bliss get an opportunity here um, I think she actually would have got cheered over Bianca though maybe that's the problem or even Liv Morgan give her an opportunity we know whoever's going to challenge her is going to lose so at least give Morgan another title opportunity so all right uh let's see here let's move on Omas versus Riddle Happened for a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Riddle was still nursing his sore ribs from SmackDown with Roman Reigns, his SmackDown match with Roman Reigns. After the match, Seth Rollins made his way to the ring and he hit a curb stomp on Riddle. And uh, that was because 
Riddle called him out in a pre-match promo prior to that. Now, the match between Omas and Riddle, I think, was fine. You know, it, it didn't blow me away. Omas, I think, continues to show progress, if not kind of plateauing and staying where he's at. And I think that's that's good. Omas, honestly, for his size, what can we expect? You have to change the the scale of what is a good match or what athleticism is when you change when you go to a guy with the 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 profile of Omas. Things change. It's not the same as looking at a guy like Riddle in the ring and saying, oh, wow, their match, they, they have great ability. Omas has to be viewed in a different lens because of his size, and I think he's doing just fine in the ring. Uh, and then we had, of course, uh, uh, MVP run his mouth and say that, you know, make references to hanging out with Snoop, Snoop Dogg and smoking pot and like a Wiz Khalifa or something. Anybody else notice the camera angle, too, for Omas? I mean, they put the camera at Omas's feet. To, to to create the illusion of him being even bigger. He's a towering Nigerian giant, right? Fine. It's what, I'm not ranting about it. It was just something I noticed from a production standpoint of them putting the camera at Omas's feet. And nothing really to say as far as uh, you know, negativity there, but just an observation. Okay, so um, now one thing I'll say about this beyond the uh, matchup, which was fine with Riddle. It was as good, as I think, as it could have been. The, the finish that Omas has, the double choke bomb, I have no problem with it as far as like it actually being a finishing maneuver. It's essentially a double arm choke slam. Fine. That makes sense given his size and his height. But can he execute it a little cleaner somehow? Because when he executes it, it looks like he's just kind of sloppily tossing the guy to the ground. They need to tighten it up somehow. Maybe have the guy wrap his legs around Omas so it's more of a flat back bump than kind of a toss. I think that would make it look crisper, cleaner, and just look more like a finish. Because sometimes you look at the double choke bomb and you're you're like, did he just toss him to the ground or was that his finish? You know, sometimes you're not sure. So I think that's a way that you could clean that up is just have the guy, when he picks you up and he, he's going for his finish, wrap your legs around him and then take a flat back bump down. Like Omas should project his arms down, not out. I think that would help as just kind of a wham straight to the ground. Anybody else agree with this or, or even pick up on it? Just a small thing that I think could help Omas in terms of identifying his finish. So uh, Bobby Lashley then interrupted Austin Theory, uh, who was doing another pose down. Oy. Um, and as Theory was posing in the center of the ring and taking a few shots in John Cena, which again may result in something down the line. I don't know about money in the bank because he's involved with Lashley, but something is there, I think. But Lashley popped up in the ring behind Theory as Theory was taking selfies, and he noticed Bobby Lashley in the selfie. And then um, we got Theory getting hit by a spear from Lashley, and Lashley saying, I'm not not asking, I'm demanding, I'm telling you I'm going to take this championship from you. So uh, we'll get more into that as uh, Raw goes on because there was more that happened. In fact, Lashley appeared for many minutes on Raw. That's a fine thing. and We'll get to that. Angelo Dawkins defeated Jey Uso with a sit-out powerbomb. So again, establishing themselves as real contenders and trying to create the illusion that they could dethrone the Usos, which is a failed illusion attempt because we all know there is zero chance, I think, of the uh, Three Profits defeating the Usos for the uh, Unified Tag Belts. 
it just doesn't feel right. Um, you know, the, the street profits are barely warm at this point. They're kind of like lukewarm and it doesn't feel like it's, it's time. They just won them. So, but again, it's to create that momentum and that, uh, that all important momentum that essentially means nothing in WWE, but okay, let's move on. Elias and Ezekiel had a backstage segment together in very good camera editing. I have to say that they did a nice job creating the illusion that Elias and Ezekiel are two different people. And in fact, I believe it probably actually fooled some people out there, not the majority, but there's probably some fringe fans that are going, wait a minute. They're probably Googling Ezekiel really Elias. They did such a good job there that people are probably some people are still Googling it and wondering and creating that doubt, which is a credit to the production team for all the crap I give them. Their editing is always top notch. It's, it's like Hollywood level. Sometimes, I mean, they, they are immensely skilled and whoever they're hiring in the video editing and production department, it, are, are they, they're like world class, you know, so uh, especially with the video packages that they put together in such short time and everything else, it's really good. And honestly, it has been good for, for many years, like throughout the entire existence of WWE, at least since I've been watching since 97, very rarely have I ever said, oh, that was a crappy video package. Almost never. That is one of their constant strong suits has been video editing and the turnaround time for some of these uh, packages. It's amazing. So props to everyone involved there. Uh, all right, moving on. <sighs> oh, so the Elias thing. Um, <clears throat> so the Elias deal, I mean, again, I, I think the video editing was really good there to try to create the illusion. There are two people. Now you could tell if you look close enough <clears throat> that Elias had a, a beard that didn't look quite like his hair that he had. It was much more curly and a little scruffy. This beard he had on was, as close as they could get, but it wasn't the same type of hair. If you look close, I'm sure some of you out there, if you listen to wrestling podcasts, you were probably looking for that kind of thing and seeing how close they could get. But boy, did they do a, as good of a job as you could imagine. And um, we had Elias come out for the concert and Owens interrupted Elias and Ezekiel were shown, as I said, having a conversation backstage, but Owens was adamant that he's a liar and he's just, you know, this is, this is garbage and I've had enough. And, um, of course it ended in Owens getting a guitar to his back and Elias walking off and, uh, Owens stumbled to the backstage and said he was challenging Ezekiel or Elias to imagine next week on raw, at which point Ezekiel showed up in person and accepted the challenge. And so it'll be Ezekiel versus Owens next week, which makes sense because Elias, if he were to actually have a match, some of his hair and, uh, coverings may come off and, that wouldn't obviously work for this story. And I mean, I don't know how Kevin Owens for all the things he said from a you know, actually intelligent perspective of calling out this nonsense and saying that the video with Elias and Ezekiel on the couch was pre-taped. Good. Yes. And he said that he Elias, you know, taped on or glued on a beard. Yep. That's exactly what he did. So all the fans are thinking it and he says it. But the one question he should be asking is how about I call both of them out at the same time? right? Isn't that the ultimate way to prove it? And yet he hasn't, because if you ask that question, the entire storyline falls apart. So they'll probably do everything other than that, as I don't know what the payoff is to this. And I'm sure WWE doesn't either, but, but that's the one question. Okay. Both of you come out at the same time. That's all. So, um, but it'll be Elias and Owens next week. So, uh, let's see. Bobby Lashley then had a gauntlet match three 
individuals will be chosen to face Lashley in succession. And if Lashley beat these three, he would earn an opportunity at the United States Championship per Adam Pierce at Money in the Bank against Theory. And that first person was Chad Gable. That was a really good match. Went longer than I thought, and it was more competitive than I thought, too. There were some moments where you're like, oh, Chad may pull this off, right? Um, and I think they usually the first guy is dispatched pretty quick because they have to get through matches. This went on longer than I thought. And it was fine. And Otis also uh, lost, but by DQ, because after Lashley hit him with a spear, which was brutal, and Otis took that like a champ, they protected Otis by not taking the clean victory and having Lashley move on via disqualification to the final person, which was Theory. And uh, Theory was about to hit the A-Town down. No one's explained exactly what that means yet. But we had uh, Theory go for that. It went into a, a, a really tight-knit, really well-executed schoolboy and uh, schoolboy pin. And we had Lashley pick up the victory via a, I don't want to say roll-up, but it was <laughs> it, it was a well-executed version, tight-knit version of a roll-up. And it makes sense. This, this, is, where, this is where a roll-up, quote-unquote, would actually make sense that Lashley was able to pull this off. He didn't beat uh, Theory clean like we all want to see him spear him and then get the victory. I think that's coming at uh, the pay-per-view. Now, as far as that event goes, do I think Lashley's going to beat Theory? Mm, we'll get there. I don't know. There's there's a case to be made on both ends, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when the event is, uh, is just days away. So other than that, guys, I mean, I really enjoyed Lashley. There's a bright spot for you for all the negativity I opened the show with for like 30 minutes. I think that this was a good thing. I mean, a lot of wrestling here. If you're a wrestling guy, like in terms of actually watching this WWE Raw to watch a wrestling event, this was it for you. Bobby Lashley saved the show from a wrestling quality perspective, and uh, that was good. Lashley performed well, as did Gable, as did Otis, who's growing a beard back, which I think is good. Uh, I like I like Otis with a beard. It doesn't have to be super long. But it just needs he needs something on his face. I'm sorry. He's almost as awkward as Ezekiel is without a beard. So other than that, guys, I uh, oh, there's a couple more. How did I forget this? AJ Styles defeats Champa or Champa. Take your pronunciation pick after a phenomenal forearm. And then the match came about after uh, Styles attacked Miz during Miz TV and Champa blindsided Styles. Now. They can't go a raw without Miz TV, can they? I mean, it's uh, it's really just beyond overused, but they won't stop using it because they use it for everything, and they know that it's kind of a catch-all, and it can it, it can be molded into anything they need it to be, which is I understand why they do it, but I'm done with it. Um, so anyway, AJ Styles defeats Champa, so AJ continues to show you where he's at in WWE's eyes, upper tier, but not the top top tier. Champa at least gets to work with somebody of world class, uh, world class ability like AJ. Good stuff. I would love to see this match actually have more meaning. I wish they didn't get to this match right away because I think there's a there's actually something you could build here. There was just no story, nothing other than oh okay, uh, Champa's just been blindsiding people. That's all, like if you didn't watch Champa in NXT, you would have no idea about what he's here for, other than he likes to blindside people. That's it. I mean, they've done nothing with Champa other than you use him as kind of this this guy that's from NXT and he he hits people from behind. It's kind of crazy. 
given where Champa was in NXT. I mean, he was like the man for a while. Okay, then we get, I feel like I'm, I've been saying this for uh, just weeks and weeks. Other than last week's pose down, again, Oscar versus Becky Lynch in the main event of the show where Becky was complaining to Adam Pierce earlier that she lost the fatal five way and that she, you know, what's going on around here? I deserve to be in the money in the bank. You guys need me in the money in the bank. Adam Pierce caves. Apparently, that's all you got to do is just whine to him and he grants you a match because that's how that's how, you know, the world works. And Oscar beats Becky Lynch in what was a 10 minute decent match. No complaints. I mean, you know what kind of quality you're going to get, which is high quality wrestling. So there's no problem there. Um, and Lynch was upset. And after her loss, she starting throwing things everywhere. And she had a big tantrum at the end of the match. Um, Oscar. Oh, by the way, Oscar beat Becky with a kick. I like how they're using kicks, as you notice, to finish matches. It actually was the same well, one of the a similar maneuver done by Carmella to beat uh, um, or to win her match in the Fatal Five Way was a kick. This second women's match ended in a kick. So good, they're establishing that kicks to the face can actually end a matchup. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing, but it makes sense. So I, I'm I'm not complaining about that. I'm complimenting that because it's a good way to reestablish something that should never have been a transition move back to a finish. So good stuff there. And I'm very interested to see where they go with Becky Lynch because now she's on a downward, downward spiral. Like she's in the spiral of the downward spiral. And I don't mean that in a way that WWE's burying her more like they're developing her into something else. She's in transition right now. This is the first massive losing streak that she's had since she slapped Charlotte SummerSlam three, four years ago and turned he or turned babyface when they were supposed to turn her heel, the most famous babyface heel turn of all time, if that makes sense, and turned her into one of the hottest stars in wrestling, if not the hottest star in wrestling. So since that time, this is her biggest losing streak, and she's continuing to freak out and say, "What's going on here? The, the you know, what the hell is going on? Why am I you know?" Why am I not getting this opportunity, that opportunity? She continues to lose, throw things, have a tantrum, look depressed. I'm, I'm interested in where they're going with this. I don't know what the end game is. Again, I don't know if WWE knows. I have my doubts, but I'm interested. I want to see what the next step is for Becky. Does she continue down this path of, of darkness? Does she get drawn to, the, uh, to, to Edge's former group? The Judgment Day. Now, we didn't see them on Raw, which was a shame. We didn't see Edge on Raw. We didn't see any of the Judgment Day on Raw, likely because of Rhea's injury, which I still don't know the details of. Some of you may. But, uh, which is really a shame given where the Judgment Day was and where they were going, and I thought they were going. Edge gets disbanded and banished. Uh, Rhea then gets injured, and the whole thing just collapses, and they're not on Raw. I mean, imagine three weeks ago, if you told us that the Judgment Day won't be on Raw in three weeks, you'd be like, what? No. And here we are. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. Um, you know, but anyway, so I think, you know, as we get closer to money in the bank, maybe edge returns and interferes and the crowd cheer cheers. And he's back to being a baby face, which I think is what they're doing right now. I think it was smart with edge, not coming back the next week with either uh, the old edge music or just coming out with no music because absence always erases not only makes the heart grow, grow fonder, but it always erases how you felt about that person and puts it back to square one. Like you could take the hottest heel 
have them leave for two months and then come back in the big, as the biggest baby face. That's just how it works. And I think the time right now is going to be Edge's best friend if they want to truly make him back to a baby face. I mean, th- look at Triple H. 2002, when he returned to Madison Square Garden, one of the most memorable returns of all time. Now, granted, he was out for like eight months, but it's the same principle. He left as the hottest, most hated guy in the company, doing an excellent job as a heel, blows his knee out. Then he returns to get a monster, one of the biggest pops of all time. So you, you take that same principle, apply it to Edge, and boom, you've got a baby face. Not as the reaction isn't going to be as big, but it's the same premise. So I think that's what they're doing. We'll see if Edge appears at Money in the Bank, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. So that was Monday Night Raw, guys. I really do apologize if this was too negative. I <laughs> I tried to throw some positives in, which was reestablishing kicks as finishes. Asuka and Becky, you can't ever go wrong. But the only thing missing from this main event was Bianca just sitting at ringside making faces. I mean, that's essentially it. We've seen this main event like eight times in, in nine weeks. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it feels like that. Um, the other thing is wrestling heavy, good wrestling from Bobby Lashley and uh, Chad Gable and Otis. And you know what? Theory, I think, has started to make his stand as a, as a, as a standalone performer, so to speak, where he feels like he's deserving of that United States championship. And it's not being hidden in the annals of darkness like the Intercontinental Championship was until uh, we had Gunther. No, I will not pronounce it Gunther. I, re- I refuse. The day I pronounce it Gunther and actually mean it, uh, I just just hit unsubscribe because it, it sounds so dumb. Um, even if it's pronounced correctly, I don't care. I'm pronouncing it the way I want to. So because I'm 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 above what it should be. Uh, so anyway, but no, Gunther won it, and now I think it'll be come back to uh, the spotlight it deserves. But I think Austin Theory right now is in a place where he he can cut good promos. <clears throat> He's obviously got the look that Vince McMahon salivates over. He is being put in places that are high pressure. He's he's a champion. He's being put in the and, and you look at the time slots. He was put in a prominent time slot in the, right in the middle of the show to open. I think the third hour of Raw, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's a positive. It shows he can he doesn't crack under pressure. He's got a great presence about him, um, and he can wrestle his ass off. You know, so I think Theory right now is one of uh, the uh, rising stars in the company, whether you like it or not. You need to create bad guys, and I think Theory fits that bill really well. Like Theory, I'm not saying he's going to be world champion this year. I think in 2023, there's a case to be made for it whenever Roman relinquishes it. You know, if. <laughs> That's a whole other story. And by the way, guys, if you want to check out a very in-depth conversation about Brock Lesnar's return and Vince McMahon, uh, uh, Anthony DeMarco and I covered that for like 45 minutes yesterday on our current State of WWE review. Check it out. But um, yeah, so we, we did get a video package of Brock's return, of which honestly, I don't care. <laughs> like Brock's a big deal. But am, are, are we in a like some kind of time loop? Am, am I Am I in the Matrix? Right? Like I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over. You know, um, and I just, Vince can't get away from Brock and Roman, Brock and Roman, Brock and Roman, Brock and Roman. And the worst part about it is it's at SummerSlam. And Anthony and I went over this yesterday, so I don't want to take too much away from the show. But since this last man standing match is going to be at SummerSlam with Brock and Roman, July 30th, that means that Roman is guaranteed at least through July 30th or until July 30th to hold those championship belts. So that's another, what, five, six weeks 
that Brock is going to, or Roman's going to hold those belts, guaranteed. He's not defending it at Money in the Bank. He's not going to be at that pay-per-view, apparently. that That's a, I mean, people, guys, come on. Like, this is, and I don't say guys, into the, the listeners, I mean creative. Vince, can we move the hell on? Getting us back to having champions regularly on the show. Um, you know, Roman's had an epic run, but can we move on? Please. Uh, you know, so it's just like another WTF moment. And also, how does Brock just automatically jump the line? How does that happen? And how did Last Man Standing come about? Who created that stipulation? Did Brock come up with it? Did Roman come up with it? Why did Roman accept if he has such big stroke in the company and Paul Heyman can pull strings? Who made this match? Is Roman okay with it? Like all these, it just, it just happens. And they've already created the SummerSlam main event because I think they're trying to sell tickets. That's all. And, and because it's their WrestleMania of the summer. Well, guys, we're getting the same exact match, except it's just, oh, it's a last man standing match. <sighs> so, um, oh, and one thing I also didn't mention on, um, on the show that I wanted to talk about. What, this is the last thing, and I'll close out the show. Riddle, in his promo, said that he, if he wins Money in the Bank, he's going to challenge Roman and finish his vengeance on the tribal chief. Well, wait a minute. Uh, how does that exactly work? Does the Money in the Bank victory, if you win it, if you, if you are able to take that contract, then does that override the stipulation that just happened on SmackDown saying that as long as Roman's champion, you can no longer challenge, you can't challenge him for that universal championship. So what are you telling me, Riddle? Like they should at least address this. How does no one see this? How, how does Riddle not see it? At least in his promo creative come up with it. The announcers address this loophole. You know, that we were just told that if Riddle loses that match on SmackDown to Roman for the championship, he can never challenge Roman as long as he's champion again. And yet Riddle comes out and says the exact opposite on Raw, saying if he wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, he's going to challenge Roman and take that championship from him and do it for Randy and do it for the WWE Universe and do it for himself. And you're like, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I guess just by Riddle mentioning that we're supposed to just it's implied we're supposed to understand that the Money in the Bank briefcase, if he wins it, overrides the stipulation that he just lost. I don't know. But th- these are the things, guys, that uh, it was just a it was just a, a cluster F of things that trigger me about WWE. Not thinking things through doesn't detail doesn't matter. Not explaining things doesn't matter. Production of making people feel like hosts when they're wrestlers and everyone having to say the same thing opening raw. Like it was just <laughs> I, I didn't want to end on a negative note, but I wanted to sum up my my gripes about raw as uh, you guys write negative reviews about this show. And that's cool. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> if you love the show, give us a five star rating. Consider going ad free on Patreon dot com slash WWE podcast for one dollar. You get a shout out on the show. Hundreds of ad free episodes. And you get a priority placement in the mailbag that is tomorrow. So lots of perks as well as our website, wwepodcast.com. So check that out and Apple Podcasts. If you want to use the Apple Podcast app, the native app, we have an ad-free button right there for 99 cents a month or $10 for the entire year. That's two months for free if you get the one-year option. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I will be back tomorrow with the Mailbag Show. And as always, take care. I'll talk to you next time. You got to check out the Mentality Show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the Mentality Show. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show.
You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.